Hey, welcome back to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO. And I'm your host, Doug Lear. The last shot, the last shot for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Uh, we still have a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. We're going to get you a podcast extra with Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors, uh, and you can listen to them. You listen to Bruin Agri Gone Outdoors on Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. We know not everybody can listen to them on Saturday mornings. We know not everybody can listen to a podcast. So we break out a podcast extra for you each and every weekend. Before we do that, let's get you a Central Dakota Outdoors report with Pat Stockdale. You read her work in Dakota Country Magazine. She is an award-winning outdoors communicator, and she connects with uh, the people and the places, the bait shops, the gas stations, the motels, the resorts, the guides, to give us a better idea of where people are going, what they're doing, what they're finding outdoors. Well, Pat, what's cooking outdoors this week? Thanks, Doug. Checking elsewhere, perhaps the best way to describe this week in the great North Dakota outdoors is to say it's transitioning. Transitioning, that is, from ice fishing to open water fishing. The thing is, though, we're not done with the transition, and shorelines are muddy, starting to open, ice is deteriorating, and overall, patience is the key when it comes to fishing. Be patient and just give it a little bit longer. We'll have enough open water shorelines to test northern pike success. There's also the need for patience for the Game and Fish Department to determine the full extent of potential winter fish kill on lakes in many parts of the state. But that being said, there is open water around the bridges on Devil's Lake, and out west, the Missouri River is open as far down as Bismarck Mandan, with ice disappearing on the upper end of Lake Oahe below the river south of Bismarck. The tail race below Garrison Dam has increased fishing activity, but for the most part, it seems walleye have missed that memo and aren't cooperating much yet. Lake Sakakawea remains an extremely large ice cube, but runoff is coming in from cricks, so there should be some pike activity in the back bays. But it's also hunting season, and spring's arrival is bringing out the turkeys, with birds pretty active once the snow started disappearing. And disappearing snow also brought an influx of migrating light geese, It's a case of being able to follow the birds, though, because they're generally not lingering much longer than to rest and feed, then move on north. Appreciate that report. That is Pat Stockdale, and she is an award-winning outdoors communicator. Again, read her work in Dakota Country Magazine and various other publications across the Midwest. Right now, it's time to get you that podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. You hear Brewer and Agri gone outdoors at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning. Not everybody can listen then. And not everybody can check out their podcast. So here is a podcast extra from Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. With an old friend, and by that I mean he's been a friend for a very long time. Um, some, you might be able to say, Kyle, that he's been a mentor of ours somewhat along the way. Absolutely. Um, we have followed in his footsteps quite a, on quite a few different things. Mr. Gary Korsgaden. How you doing, Gary? Great. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. So one great, of the, great to be on your show. Yes, you know I yeah. think this is the second time you've been on. Um, I don't know why we don't have you on more. You're such a wealth of knowledge. We probably should. Uh, but this oh. pr- this thing that we're going to talk about is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, and a lot of people don't know what it is. And what we're talking about is the Minnesota Walleye Work Group. 
Uh, and it's been a couple of years. We've talked about it on our show before. Barry Chenard used to be a member. Uh, he's a local guy that used to be a member of this group. Um, and we've had him on to talk about it once or twice, a number of years ago. It's probably been four or five years. Uh, but for our listeners who don't know what the Minnesota Walleye Work Group is, what exactly is it, Gary? Well, it's a group of state anglers scattered from all over the area. Um, different representations, I guess. Uh, we've got Walleye Alliance on there. FM Walleye has been representative of the, of the group. We've got um, uh, lake associations, different organizations like that. And plus, just the general angler that loves to fish and cares about the resource. So now we know kind of who's in the group. What's the purpose of it? I mean, a, a lot of anglers get together all the time. They'll get together and have a cup of coffee or have a beverage or go fishing. This is a little bit different. Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's, uh, we review things agenda. We meet twice a year. And we have fisheries biologist, Brad Parsons, who is the head of the fisheries for Minnesota. We go over different situations that they're working on. And we're the public conduit. Like, for example, I'll visit what biologists before the meeting, call them up. I'll stand around and maybe in a tackle shop someplace and just listen to people and talk to them. Many times they don't know I'm on the committee. I just want to hear what anglers are feeling and hearing. And that's what this is all about, is to give the voice to of citizens to the Minnesota DNR. So they, they hear what's going on in the field. Um, I particularly focus on uh, Fergus Falls, Detroit Lakes, Park Rapids, Bemidji, up through that area. Other Others are down in the southern part of the state, Alex. Um, of course, you've got Nate Blazing that comes in from the Walleye Alliance. And Tom Newstern, who's been on the committee the longest, almost 15 years, up in the Grand Rapids area. So you got a wealth of knowledge. But what I feel is important is I want to connect with the angler. I want them to tell me what they're thinking, and I share that at the meeting. And that's one of the more valuable uh, things that we can offer to the DNR. So it's a conduit is the best uh, description I can call it. Gary, thank you for your service and uh, taking the time to be a part of that group because we as anglers, we do need to have a voice and it's important that uh, that there are those avenues and conduits to make it happen. Now, I know you met recently uh, as a group. This uh, was within the last couple of weeks here. What are some of the hot topics that the DNR is hearing about from anglers through this group? Well, you know, uh, Minnesota is joining with North Dakota and Bar Trauma which is taking fish out of deep water, delayed mortality. That's a hot button right now, uh, particularly in the fall. And the second thing is that really exaggerating that is use of live scope. And we're reviewing that, how it pertains to bar trauma, how it encouraged people. Once live scope came out, people can much easily, easier target deep fish like walleye, crappie, are particularly successful. So there, we're dealing with that. The four-fish bag came up at the last meeting. Um, crappie limits, we had a, while it's a walleye work group, we had the, a chairman of the crappie 
uh, her panfish come and present their findings on taking fish out of deep water. I would say that's a major concern uh, right now. And, uh, of course, there's some social issues. You know, the upper Red Lake situation that's cropped up, that's a concern that, that came up. And uh, those are just a few of the real hot topics that always maybe draws a little more uh, passion than some of the other topics. Hey, hey, Gary, let's uh, dig just a little bit deeper into one of these subjects. And it's, uh, you know, you and I and Kyle, we've all shared emails together about this subject. Um, you talk about bar trauma, or that's, I don't know the exact way to pronounce it. Um, but explain a little bit what it is, because I think a lot of anglers feel they catch a fish, throw it back in water, and it goes down, it's fine. It was a successful release. But that's not always the case, I don't think. And the more we can educate anglers on it, um, I think we're all, the, the resource is going to be better off. Um, Scott, you hit on a point, important point, and Kyle, you too. Um, the situation is we, we doubt we can enforce fishing in deep water. We need to educate anglers that there's delayed mortality and it increases the deeper you go in the water it basically starts at about 25 feet and anything deeper than that you the percentages of mortality go up and it also dependent on how the angler takes care of the fish if it's a big fish and they bring it in and um uh it it uh, isn't put back right away or it isn't taken care of is a good chance it'll die. And you're absolutely right, particularly crappies now in the winter, we're seeing crappies in 50 feet of water on some of the lakes. So what does that mean if you've got a slot on that lake, like a protective slot? You have to put that fish back, and it's wasted. You know, like in Walker Bay in the fall, the walleyes are deep. My partner and I, we don't go in there because you can't, you get a fish out of the slot, you, got, you have to put it back, and it's wasted. So... We have to educate anglers that there are certain times you can fish that water and other times that, and release it, and other times you cannot. If I can throw one more point about catch and release, catch and release was originally put into Minnesota to, um, so an angler, if he catches a big walleye, for example, and wants to return it because he has one, he can do it. That's where it originated from, and then it's expanded into, we're seeing situations where anglers are catching 100 fish, double-digit numbers of fish and releasing them and thinking they're living, and they're not. And uh, if you just apply basic 10% times 100 fish, which is un not unreal, you brought a good chance that 10 of those fish passed away or died. Yep. So, and I, I think this education thing is going to be key because a lot of anglers, if you let it go, that doesn't mean it's going to die, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to live, too. And water temperature plays a part in it. Water depth plays a part in it. How far, how long was it out of the water? How deep hooked it was? All that stuff plays a part in it. And the more information we can get out to our listeners, the more information we can get out to the anglers, uh, the better off everybody is going to be to make the proper decision. Gary, we really appreciate all that you do with the Minnesota Walleye Work Group. Keep up the good work, and thanks for coming on Gone Outdoors. Thank you, guys. I always enjoy being on there. Thank you. Well, that is going to wrap things up for this weekend edition of Outdoors Live. Appreciate the podcast extra being made available by Scotty Brewer 
and Kyle Agri. Uh, make sure you check out them Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock. And then also you can check out their podcast at kfgo.com. This has been the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on News Radio, the Mighty 790 KFGO and FM 104.7. Till next time, I'm Doug Lear reminding you, as always, keep your lines tight and your powder dry. Have a great one out there.